Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. This is a CBC podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Michel. He has Fabry disease. Let's talk about it. Uh, it's uh, it's awesome to be sitting down with you, Michel, with you, Michelle, or Mike, as uh, you've allowed me to call you, which I very, very uh, much appreciate. Um, you're, you're, are, where, where are you coming from? Are you in uh, in Quebec? I'm in uh, I'm in Joliet, near Joliet. It's a town, a little town, about uh, 45 minutes <clears throat> from Montreal on the North Shore. Okay, perfect. And you are uh, just just let us in that you are. Just coming from radiotherapy, which you which you had on your lip, which I'm sure we'll dive into uh, all the ins and outs of of why you have just come from such a treatment um, and <laughs> rushing to do to do a podcast straight from your your treatment. We very much appreciate it. Um, and this is that I, I so you, you live with something called is it called Fabry? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Fabry, Fabry disease, and yeah. and I was looking into what that is before before we um, came on the air to to record the show, and I was I got to say I was pretty blown away by what I found because because it on the surface level the way that it was described it seems really simple it seems like oh this is something where you just don't do this like one thing very well. But then it just seems like it leads to this cascade, this like enormous amount of problems like throughout your throughout your body. And, I'm, and by your, I mean people living with Fabry disease as I was as I was reading. And so I'm wondering my basic my like most basic understanding of what it was, um, was that it, it it was something where you can't break down a certain type of fat and that. And like I said, that seems like so, that seems so simple. I can't break down this fat or maybe have trouble breaking it down. And, but the issues that came along with it, I was like, holy shit, I can't believe how many issues such a seemingly simple uh, thing can cause. Is that, is that, um, is that a fair characterization of what Fabu disease is and what, and what would be like the, the, maybe the, the, like, I live with this version of what Fabry disease is. I think, I think you described it perfectly. Because it is, you know, as simple as it is, it's like that, you know. So there's a there's an enzyme in the system that don't work <clears throat> or not work correctly, depending on on the mutation you have. Mm. And because of that, like you said, it doesn't break some you know some fat molecule and that uh, you know build up in the system. So it's a multi organic a uh, multi organ system uh, problem. So every organ in the system will be at some point affected. Whoa. It is the heart, uh, the kidney, uh, and and the more uh, the more um, uh, how can I say it? the um, the worse the mutation get, and the more problem you will have. And and myself, my family, I would say, we have a, what it, what they call the um, a non rescuable mutation. So even with the treatment, even with the available treatment right now. Uh, I won't. I won't say that the, the treatment do nothing because I'm pretty sure there's something going on with the treatment and there's something working, but um, it's not responding as well as it should. Mm. So, uh, so uh, just just uh, before you start, uh, yeah. the easiest way to describe Fabry, read what is Fabry, put my face right next to it, and you will have the perfect because I have everything. Oh wow! Because there's because there, and there's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust me. Uh, I'm you, curious because this it sounds like to me it sounds similar to uh, cystic fibrosis in like when Jeremy lives with cystic fibrosis and like there's basically like one thing that is happening 
Yeah, it's um, like this small link in the chain is broken. Yeah, or, the CFTR gene or whatever yeah. is is fucked up, and it's causing this host full of problems in your body. Yeah, it's um, the same thing. But when it, so <laughs> my my question for you is is at what point in your life did you because like CF is diagnosed so early on in a, a typically in a person's life? Um, at what point did you start to realize that there was something going on in your body? Okay. That- <laughs> Th- that that would be a podcast as itself, you know. Awesome. Well, this is a podcast, so let's do it. <laughs> well, the thing, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to describe it perfectly because, <clears throat> as I said, my so, you know my English is not that good. But um, uh, you're nailing the it. Thing <laughs> is, the, the thing is, um, I always the the, the 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 far as I can remember, I've always had some health problem, you know, mm-hmm. some health issue, <clears throat> stomach ache, and major stomach ache, I would say, and. Th- what I think what is described the most February about that it's people people always think it's in our head because mm. you look at me you know I smile everything fine I don't look that sick you know so uh, so and the uh, the, uh, um, the 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 stomach ache problem I think it's the worst because it it appears in the like in in a flash so I'm basically I'm okay everything is fine I'm working and the, and Five seconds later, I can't even move. The pain is mm-hmm. the pain is so high, and even forty six years later, you know, because I I've been is since I'm I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm born, mm-hmm. uh, I will never get used to that kind of pain. Wow. So uh, so and when it leaves, when the pain finally leaves, maybe fifteen minutes, a half an hour, sometime an hour, and maybe more. It's like nothing ever happened. Whoa! Oh wow! Really? When when you were a kid and you would get these stomach aches, like I imagine that to be the most frustrating thing as a kid because like every parent or like person who has is close to like kids in their in their life, when a kid is like complaining about a a, a tummy ache, like is isn't that just like isn't the default reaction for adults in that case mostly to be like, I think oh, come you, on, I think you <laughs> think that because you and I fake sick. A lot. No, I, don't think I, that, I, I don't never think, faked sick. I did. You never faked sick? I don't think so. Oh my God, I did all the time. <laughs> but so so there's so many kids crying wolf, yeah, is what you're saying? That's, that, what, that's what leads people to, I think, the default of the, your, your line. But Michelle, for you, like like growing up as a kid and you would, when you first started, you know, experiencing these really intense stomach aches, I did, still, do people listen? As, it, as of this day, I still live <clears throat> with that ghost in my back, even from specialist point. At some point in in, in the treatment or something, they not always believe me. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, are you sure? Are you sure this is what you experience? Are you sure the pain is that high? So, so nobody and and nobody can feel it. So, if I could have one superpower, trust me, it will be the power to touch you and make you feel. What I feel when I when I'm mm-hmm. sick, mm-hmm. And, and even it's for ten minutes, you would you know you would bend the knees. What sure. is uh what what is how long did it take for you to get diagnosed with this disease? I understand it's quite rare, so I can imagine that it's probably pretty far down the list for uh, what people are looking for when you're describing uh, symptoms. I, I was going there, so uh, so as I said, lots of symptoms <clears throat> in my youth. Um, and, uh, when I start to, uh, to, to decide I was, I was willing to work as a paramedic, I need to take an eye test because, uh, you know, my eyes wasn't, you know, my, my, my vision wasn't perfect and uh, you're not supposed to have like your eye contact, um, I, uh, you know, the eyes lens, yeah, uh, yeah. contact, contact lenses. Contact yeah. lens. <clears throat> so, uh, so I was looking to get the laser surgery. Mm-hmm. And there's one doctor at the laser surgery place said, mm, there's something wrong with your eyes. I'm not sure what it is, but I I do think there's something that is not normal. And I've seen a doctor, a specialist at the, uh, the Montreal Children in Montreal, even if I have, I had at that time, I think 24 years old, I think something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I passed a, a, a battery of tests, you know, probably all the tests that I could even possibly imagine for my eyes. And he never told me what I had. It was an old doctor, probably like you know, around 80 years old and something like that. And <laughs> nobody never called me again. So for like two years, I didn't know I had. So so 
Nothing and new. Th- and this is after the eye. This is the after the eye test. Yeah, this is after because 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 for for um, for flaring the surgery, mm-hmm. I they just want to make sure that my eyes white. You know, I could I could receive the surgery. I could I could go, go to uh, the surgery. Yeah. So um and and so I have go to the surgery. You know, everything was okay, mm-hmm. uh, and I start working as a paramedic. <clears throat> but I have also like left some. Uh, I don't know what you called it. Uh, Enjo keratoma, I think they call it. It's like uh, oh, yeah, some yeah. skin, <clears throat> some uh, some skin-like blood on the skin that appears. Mm-hmm. And uh, for February, it's very, very, very specific. It's like on the uh, in the bottom region, you know, in the uh, the, uh, the, the 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 special parts. The special parts, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, so wait, wait, wait mm-hmm. special? What special? Like your butt or your like your no, no, your, your, dick and your general, butt. your general. Okay. So yeah. all around, like all, all around. in your pelvic region. Yeah, and, yeah, the yeah. pelvic region. Yeah, that's yeah. it. So if you have like boxer, you know, or or uh, underwears, basically you don't see it. So right. it's really very specific at that part, mm-hmm. and you can have some a little bit more on the chest, but you know, it's not that. And the first time they see that, I was like 14 years old, and they thought I was having like a um, um, one type of cancer they have a, like a leukemia yeah huh. and it wasn't that so uh, did they te- did they test you for leukemia yeah, yeah. at that time yeah they test me yeah yeah at that time so and they, they clearly and knew though at that point that like something was something weird was going on yeah that's it like i said i i i didn't react the same the same way most people react you know the stomach ache i i i, I wasn't sweating so there's so many things that was always going wrong but nobody you know found anything so uh, back at the uh, my story i was working as a paramedic and we did a call the nine on, on one night uh, we had a 911 call and it was like a basic call you know a, a, a lady is like drank too much alcohol fall down the stairs and uh, so we arrived on the scene she was like lying down uh, on the floor and <clears throat> It was by mistake, like some kind of accident. She spit in my face, but not willingly. It's like a, she was trying to clear her mouth or something like mm-hmm. that. And because I was a proud new paramedic, I wasn't wearing my uh, my uh, my visor and my you know my uh, my glasses, my my protecting glasses. Mm. <clears throat> Super pratic, you know, when you don't wear. <laughs> so bring the patient to the hospital, and right after, go for myself to be tested for uh, HIV and uh, uh, not, anyway, I don't remember how to call it in English, but the, um, the AIDS. Yeah. Yeah. So um, everything was okay, but we, with that protocol, you need to go a week later at the hospital. So, and it was at uh, Hospital Saint-Luc at that time that was related with the SHUM, the so a, uh, uh, university hospital, you know, so mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Go there. <clears throat> I show my skin to the doctor. I say, you know, nobody never find anything. Do you have any idea what it could be? And there was a one dermatologist at that hospital, and she, the, I will remember it all my all my uh, all my my life. She she took a book out of her shelf. It was like a medical book, like that thick. She dropped it on the wall. Said, "I think I know what you have." Then she opened the page and she pointed February disease. Oh, okay. Nice, but what does it? What is it? And mm-hmm. what? I have no idea exactly. I don't know how to test you. You're the first we see, and now all the dermatologists came in and take pictures, and the, so everybody like was excited, like I was like uh, some you know some circus animal or something <laughs> like that. And was at some point I said, "Hey, time out." So I'm here. So what happened? What is it? What is it? So she explained to me what February was, but it, it doesn't seem to be like that dramatic like what you read on february you know mm. it was less less known at the at that at that time see so you need to go back like uh, almost 20 years from now mm-hmm. so um she 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 um she sent me to pass some blood tests you see some lots of special specialists that i'd never seen before and one of the blood tests was uh at the uh the uh not the montreal children but the saint justin it's for also for children in Montreal. There was the only one at that time that was uh, testing um, genetic, that was doing some genetic test. Uh, test. Oh right, so, yeah, right. Because genetic testing would have been much much different then. Yeah, that's it. So so the test, I tested positive to February. Then one doctor in Montreal received a call. They called Doctor Bichet at the Sacré Cœur Hospital. 
and uh, I received a call. I was working on a movie set uh, on the day, I think it's like in the uh, fall of uh, 2002, I think. Like you were and, acting, uh, you were acting on the movie no, no, set I or you were I was a paramedic? As a, I was, I was okay. working as a medic on the, uh, on the, on the set. Just and, uh, and I <laughs> No, I'm not that good acting. So, <laughs> and uh, but at that time, I, I didn't have a cell phone. It was like the pager. So when I seen a number that I never see before, so go to the telephone, the, you know, to the booth, the, the old telephone booth. Yeah, yeah. So call said, "Hi, my name is. Uh, so I'm a nurse uh, working with Dr. Boucher. So uh, almost like congratulations, you've been tested positive for every. <laughs> it's not <laughs> like that, but it's you know, something like that. So." Yeah. Uh, Said, yeah, you've been tested positive. We are the uh, the center in Quebec for February. So, uh, Dr. Bishop, we would really like to see you and test you. And at that point, I became the ninth family in Quebec. I was Whoa. 26 years old. Wow. Whoa. Ninth. That's yeah, so, ninth. That's, that's so crazy. Like, I'm curious about how you, um, like the narrative that you put around this experience of, of going to, responding to that call as a paramedic and having, you know, this, this person, um, basically spit in your face and that leading to the opportunity just to see a doctor and ask them about this, like, like how it, it just seems so wild that that was the, like up until that point where you were, 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 were you just, what were, was the skin stuff like around your hips and your pelvis? Was that, was that sort of, something that was always there and you sort of just put it out of your mind? Like, were you searching? Were you, were, were you kind of actively searching for, for no, a, have, a reason I, or? I had stopped searching because <clears throat> like, like I said, nobody had had any answer for me. And one dermatologist, I think <clears throat> two years before uh, I, I, um, I go see him and he was specialized in the AIDS testing and everything. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know, and I wanted to clear my mind because you had, you I was like 24 at that time. So, you know, you're young and you want to have sex mm-hmm. and you have like that skin say, okay, is it contagious? Uh, what is right. it? Uh, yeah. And sometimes it was itchy. Sometimes it was, you know, swelling. Sometimes it was, you know, a little blood. So, so what do you say to a woman when you meet her? So you say, hi, uh, <laughs> you cannot hide it. It's there. So, mm-hmm. so for, for that part, I, I, I wanted to have some answer about, is it contagious? What is it exactly? But mm. for the disease, no, because I didn't. I didn't even think that I had a disease because nobody else in the family, except for I think uh, one cousin that might know at that time, but you know nobody was talking about that. So, uh, so mm. I was like, like I said, I was the the first of the ninth family uh, we came. But like you said, the narrative and everything about around the fact that uh, it was it it was having a call, it go beyond that, it, far beyond that. Uh, when I started to write the podcast. My podcast, um, um, I have go back in my history just because. Yeah, get, and also give your give your podcast a plug, especially if there's if there's French listeners to our show um, who would appreciate listening to uh, stories in French because your your podcast is in French. Can you yeah, yeah. can you just quickly give a plug about that too when um, before going into the rest of the story? Yeah, it's a uh, I cannot write it now. I think, <clears throat> but it's a triple W uh, resilience balado. Balado is like a, a podcast in French, dot, uh, dot com. Cool. So yeah. on my website, you have everything. You have the link to the podcast on the, every platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a like, I'm not like you. I'm not on CBC, CBC and everything <laughs> like that. But uh, on the, um, you know, on Spotify and everything, you can cool. also listen it on the website directly. There's a blog and there's also a section with Fabry that I will put more information uh, over time, the thing is, I can't. I all I I do that all by myself, so it's not it's not that easy. I think I put more like five hundred hours like in, the, in this project. So awesome, yeah. But, and we'll we'll link we'll link to uh, your show yeah, in, no uh, in, in this episode, so people can find it really easy. Mm-hmm. So, so as I said, <clears throat> I was recall. I I am a type of guy that um, the thing that everything happened for a reason, even if it's a bad one, we don't always know why. But there's some connection at some point in your life, then you said, okay, you know, that makes some sense. So because of that, I go to that and another point. When I was 10 years old, my mother was kind of crazy, really, and uh, diagnosed, not at that time, but later. And um, I wasn't allowed to see my real dad. So I was seeing some like a second dad, I would say, uh, like a, another one. 
<clears throat> that was really uh, I I go uh, I say I go fond of him. You know, I really loved him, and it was and he died almost in my hand. Well, well, not because I was going uh, to see some friends, and I, and at the, that time I was like. Then I think 10, 10 or eight years old. I don't remember exactly. <clears throat> and I was always on time. I'm the kind of time, the, the, the kind of kid at that time that never, never uh, coming late. You know, like you, Brian. And and just I was supposed to be there. I think like at seven o'clock in the night. And I there's some some voice in my head. I don't know what it is. Say don't go there. Don't come back now. And for the first time in my life, I've been thirty minutes late. And when I entered the, the, the apartment, he was on the floor. He was dead. Oh, my God. So if that voice didn't ring in my head, he would have died in my hand. So uh, so it was already enough traumatized. So, uh, but to see him on the floor, what uh, hasn't been able to react, didn't know what to do. There's something inside of me that grow and said, I will never live that again. I will make sure... For the rest of my life, I will make sure that I will have all the tools to to be able to to uh, to intervene, to do something. You know, to so so I've seen, so I've done some, you know, uh, uh, safety class. Some uh, I don't know how to call this in English, but uh, just give me a second. We'll dive like the first aid courses. Yeah, first or? aid. That's it. Yeah, yeah. first aid courses. Yeah. <clears throat> Till the time that I become a paramedic. So, uh, so if my mother wasn't that crazy. And I have been allowed to see my dad. I would have not seen that that man. So, and his dad wouldn't have any, you know, any timing in my life, any any impact in my life. And that because of that, at that point, that later I became a paramedic, mm. and I have been in Montreal, and everything else happened, you know. So, like I said, when I said it's far beyond than just the story itself. Yeah, um, it is crazy to think like, and in, 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 I think. I think a lot of people can re- resonate with that in a lot of, in a lot of, um, in the, the things that happen in your life, whether for, for better or for worse, where, you know, you think about, you know, like I, I got hit by a car once and you think about like, well, if, if I, you know, if I had done, you know, one thing differently, you know, four seconds difference in the rest of the day where I had paused a little longer or moved a little quicker, you know, then this thing doesn't happen and you know then xyz after that doesn't happen or 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 on the positive side like you're you know you this seem like even though that's a that's a a very hard thing to to have had happen to to be a young boy and to come in and you know see somebody dead on the floor um you know ultimately has this like huge impact on your life which influences your career which ultimately leads to a chance meeting with a dermatologist who knows about a super rare disease that you have mm-hmm. <laughs> like and, it's it's crazy and that and that impact lots of people today because mm-hmm. in quebec right now <clears throat> i'm not exactly sure of the number but i think it's like 37 we are like 37 family of february no none in quebec so uh, when i was when i was reading up on it it um so there's it sounded like there's two types and one is more severe and one is a little less severe um, and, and maybe, and I'm actually not sure if I'm correct on that, but what it seemed like was for sure was that one was one that sort of starts to, starts to, uh, show itself really early in life. And one st- starts to happen later in life. Like there's a late onset Fabry. Um, are, are, uh, what category do you fall? I into think, there? I think, <clears throat> I think the late onset, I'm not the specialist, but I think the late onset, you will see that more uh, with women. Mm, okay. Because one of my sister, it is it's it's what happened, you know. So uh, until the age of forty, I think uh, everything was almost normal, and then when she hit fifty, bam, everything installed, you know, start start falling apart. So, Me, it's an it's a it's a it's an early onset. It's a it's a birth onset. Right. You had so you, the symptoms were and 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 I well I mean you you really are you really are exactly I'm on rare I I I was going through this on rarediseases.org and really. You seem to ha- have gone through, like, uh, up until this point, like many, many of the of the signs of this disease, and it seems like there are so many. Like, and I can really see how it could be. It would be very hard to get a diagnosis because it seems like a lot of the issues that come along with Fabry disease, 
could be seen as their own individual issue. You know, you have this issue with your, your eye or you have this like fat deposit somewhere in your heart that's affecting your, how your heart functions. Um, or you've got the skin, th- like they all are, it's such a wide spectrum of, mm-hmm. of issues. I could see how it would be very easy to just look at them all as the individual mm-hmm. issues. Well, with, with that being said too, like I, I know that when I, so I recently got a, a, an ADHD diagnosis and the, the biggest sort of like impact that it had on my life, immediate impact was I had this feeling of looking back in my past and, and all of a sudden so many things making sense like oh like oh well that's why that happened or oh that's why that is that way and it was it was um this like really mixed emotion th- these mixed emotions that i was feeling of like oh i feel relief that this explains all these things but also i'm sort of grieving the person that i could have been now knowing that i live with this thing that is affecting my life in this way i'm, I'm curious what it's exactly the same thing for me <laughs> when the diagnosis uh you know, fall on me. The first thing, it, it, it was not that easy because at the at first, when they say that I had that I have February, not when they confirm it, uh, it wasn't. I don't think uh, it, it wasn't that uh, that um, that heavy. You know that uh, it, I'm not sure that the the, uh, the dermatologist at that point known the. Uh, the excess, the excess, well, extensiveness of the disease, mm-hmm. and and the uh, I don't find the word, but uh, you know, it's a huge impact on life. You know, it's affected, like I said earlier, it's mm-hmm. it's affected all the organs. So you know, and at some point, but my my father decided to buy a computer at that time for my uh, my uh, sister and and brother because they go, was going like uh, to uh, college, and um, I said, I by the way, about dad, so. Uh, I have February disease. I don't know what the fuck it is, but I have it. So, uh, <laughs> and my dad decided to, uh, to, to, it was the, uh, you know, the beginning of the internet. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and he was doing some research, you know, okay, February. And then he called us, he called me back and said, Hey son, um, I have read on February. Uh, it's, it, it's more known in the Europe, you know, and, uh, because I think this, it, lot more, more people are diagnosed in the, and uh, they say that for male, uh, the expectancy of life is like 40, or 40 years old. Whoa. Okay. So now you're my dad and you're telling me that I'm 26 mm. and I can live till 40. And it's not going to be some good, you know, the, the, low, the, the last year is not going to be good from what you said to me. said, yeah, basically it's like that. So, so it, was a, it, it was a shock. But when everything, you know, fall down and you know everything go back in place like you said yes there was a grieving for sure so so what it will do where i'm gonna go what happened next but the relief of say you know what i am not crazy i'm not crazy at all it is not in my head it's not something that i because because you you uh, you doubt and at some point in your life, you start doubting because everybody tell you know it's in your head, it's not true, it's not real. So so you doubt yourself as a kid, and and this has a huge impact on my life because you told you talked to me earlier, whether just before the show started, you know that you have so you're insecure and something like that. I'm really insecure. People don't believe that because you know I was wearing uniform and the, but I was like a I don't know what they call that in in uh, in English, but I have like that Superman syndrome, you know, with the uniform. Yeah, <laughs> was I've been running. But remove the uniform wasn't the same guy, right? So, mm-hmm. so, so, yeah. That, that, like I said, the thing as of today. <clears throat> sometimes I, I, I don't. I know that it doesn't serve anything, but I always ask myself, what kind of person would I be if February wasn't in my life? Because the thing I have been able to accomplish after two kidney transplant, one severe reject. Four cardioversion, four electric cardioversion, a three vertebral uh, break in my in my spine because of the cardioversion, uh, the cancer, everything related to Fabry, and I've been able to go so uh, so far in my life. Mm-hmm. But I would it's, be uh, like it, an, an Olympic athlete wait, if I wait, wasn't wait. sick. 
Wait, okay, so you just said so many things there that there's so much stuff to unpack because, again, to come back to this diagnosis, this was 20 years ago, and yeah. it sounds like the dermatologist, when she first you know, opened that book up and pointed at the picture, it seems like almost like the way that you're describing it, that they were looking at it through the lens of derma, der, a dermatologist and saying, yeah. like, that's yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. a skin thing. Okay, you're like, this is crazy. You have this this thing that's affecting your skin like this, not knowing the extent of which like it affects the rest of the body. And so when you talk about having um, a shortened life expectancy and like learning that from your dad and then, and then quickly mentioning um, these two kidney transplants and, and cancer. Um, what does first, like learning about that, um, shortened life expectancy, how did, how did that make you feel? It's still, as of today, still stick in my head. <clears throat> There's always a part of me that said, oh, you know, uh, I'm older than I should be. <laughs> you know? mm. So so I try to remove that idea from my head because it's not, at some point it's true. And again, it's not true. Because, you know, even when you know, you're, you're supposed to know your life expectancy. Uh, I know some people that was supposed to die two months <clears throat> after the, the diagnosis and they live like 40 years after, you know, so, mm. so, and, and, the thing is, I think the brain can play some really nasty stuff with us. You know, when you start planting some idea and implementing, you know, oh, I'm supposed to die young, I'm supposed to die young. So I tried to remove everything I said because I was a, a, a more um, more negative person a few years back. And I tried to change, you know, to to to, uh, to turn the tide, to change the way I saw, I saw things. Is it helping? I'm not sure. But, but you know, it is the way that I try to say it. So, um, so yeah, so yeah, it, it's it's a it's a heavy weight on the shoulder, you know, to know that life expectancy is, especially when you work in the medical, you know, mm -hmm. as a paramedic, I've seen so many people die that wasn't supposed to, you know, or 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 been diagnosed of something that thirty minutes before they didn't know, you know. So, uh, so knowing that it's uh, it's not that easy, I think. Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. We hear people all the time say like, don't, don't Google your illness because yeah. you only True. find out like the, the worst things, like the, all the horror stories are on the internet. And I imagine that I'm um, thinking back to my experience with, uh, AOL and like the first versions of the internet with those shitty web pages. I'm having some um, flashbacks. I'm, I'm, I'm only imagining what those web pages where that information would have came from would have been like 20 years ago. And so, you know, like hearing this information from your dad. I mean, it wasn't um, 1980, 20 years ago. No, but like it was like I was 13 years old 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. And so there was the so, internet though. So no, I know. <laughs> I know, but but I'm wondering like like did so once your dad told you that, did you end up speaking to your doctor and sort of asking them about like what does this life expectancy mean? Is this an average of people who like have this condition in the worst way possible and like, you know, yours could be higher. Like, did they ever sort of confirm what I your future might look like? <clears throat> I didn't have time to do that because the time uh, between my dad told me that and the time that the uh, secretary called me to, to confirm the diagnosis of, uh, of February was short. I don't remember in time exactly, but I know mm -hmm. it was short. So I didn't have time to, to research. And, uh, and I think there's a part of me that was like to, you know, try to put that in a box, close the box and just, you know, ship that away. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, you're young, you don't, you think you're invincible, you're invulnerable, invulnerable. you don't want to think about, you know, life, uh, death. So, uh, and and the doctor confirmed that, you know, so you say, yeah, Mr. Mr. Sabini, and, and with all the documentation on February, 
because um, I'm the first in Quebec to have received officially the Fabrazyme, that the treatment, the uh, the uh, ERT uh, treatment. So uh, there was there was a um, a study going on. Uh, I'm not sure how you call that in English, but it's a uh, you know when they when people when the doctor give medicine to people, but they don't know if they give. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Or, uh, yeah, blind study, but double yeah, blind, blind study. study. That's it. So so and the doctors uh, fight for me to say that he, he called. Uh, I don't remember the name of the company at that time, but uh, he called and said, "Okay, I have a young patient, and I think." That could be a good opportunity to start. So I'm the first one officially oh, cool. in Quebec, and I'm the I'm the oldest one on Fabry. Not the oldest on age, but I've been received the uh, Fabrizyme for almost uh, 20 years now. Not oh, only wow. because in, in in some times at some point uh, they had some problem with the uh, with the 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 medication as itself, and they start they stopped doing it. So I, I transferred on another molecule at, uh, at some point. But the ERT treatment I received like for almost 20 years now. So 20 years, the treatment is every two weeks. It's uh, by injection. So every two weeks, there's a, there's a nurse coming at my, at my place and it's like three, four hours almost of treatment. Oh, wow. Whoa, so, so did you, like, you've been on this for 20 years. Did, how quickly after you got diagnosed with Fabry, did you end up learning about this treatment and, and getting on to, to was it pretty quick? Um, <clears throat> I've been diagnosed I think it's, I'm not quite sure. It's October 22, <coughs> sorry, October 2022, 20, uh, uh, 2002 or November, something like that. And I started treatment on uh, March of two, uh, 2003. Oh, wow. So really So quickly. it's pretty quick. Yeah. And then time. So is it, is it, is the reason why there's a shortened life expectancy for people with Fabry disease because is it, is it heart disease? Is that what is ultimately the most dangerous thing yeah. about it? Yeah, but not even heart. Not only heart. Uh, they can lay too. Because they can lay, you know, uh, when, when you can lay, when you have some right. kidney failure, right? Uh, that could result in death if you're not treated well or if you don't have like dialysis or uh, you know, on the on a on a regular basis. So, uh, so I think it's probably all mixed up. The, and is the goal of the treatment to try and break down the fat deposits, or or and and I guess on top of that. Do you get, um, do you go for screenings to see if you have fat deposits on your heart or on your kidneys or something? That's no, like, no not anymore. At the beginning of the study, yes, for, for a few years, <clears throat> but uh, no, not now. So I only received the treatment. <clears throat> it's supposed to help break the fat yeah. molecule because uh, the, uh, the thing that I receive uh, by injection is the, uh, is the enzyme that has been, you know, uh, Right. engineer in lab so yeah. basically this is what i but it's not you know fully functional because like i said the the type of uh, of mutation that i have is like what they call the uh, non-rescuable so uh so they know for now they know that the uh the, that the treatment work more efficiently uh efficiency uh on the um the rescuable one than on the non-rescuable and did, mm. did you have you so when you started the treatment i mean i I guess, well, you were living with it for, you were living with it for your whole life. You really just found out about it in your twenties. What was there, was there a change that was noticeable when you started your treatment? Did you start to feel better? Was the pain different? Or is it just that you, you know, you're, you're, it's maybe slow, or I guess hopefully the, it's slowing down, uh, the fat being deposited because it's all happening kind of internally. It's causing all yeah. the issues. Like it's not like yeah. it's, it's, it's really not happening on the outside very, very much. Although, although I am interested about your lip, um, which we haven't gotten onto yet. Cause I've, I've, I, I looked at some pretty gnarly photos yeah, that, you, that you sent our way. And as I looked into the disease and as we started talking about it, I'm, I was kept on thinking to myself, where does the lip, where does the lip thing come in? Cause it's intense. It's it, it, <clears throat> the lip doesn't come from February. It's a, um, it's a casualties of the other things. Oh. So because of February, I had uh, kidney failure. Mm -hmm. Kidney failures bring me a kidney transplant. And with the kidney transplant came the uh, uh, anti-reject medication. Yeah. And with the anti-reject came the cancer. Oh my god! Whoa. Oh my god! So how? Oh shit! 
how did the is that is that um you know is that like if you were watching TV and a commercial came on for anti-rejection medication, which I know they don't make commercials for, for that. No. <laughs> would, <laughs> would, 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 you know, when that really fast voice comes on at the very end of the commercial, when it's like may cause blah, 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 and they, you know, they ring off all the potential things it, you know, would, would cancer be one of those things yeah. for anti-rejection? Yeah, I, I already know that. Oh, wow. When I, when I, when I received, the the call when I was uh, when I I received the first kidney in two thousand six um, when I arrived at the hospital the first specialist <coughs> the, um, the the kidney specialist came to me and said everything that could go wrong everything that uh, that happened when you get transplant what can happen what would happen. So, so to make sure that I was making the right decision for myself, and uh, it, it, the kidney transplant is the best thing that happens to me. You know, it's a it's a miracle for myself, but that came with some side effect and some mm-hmm. nasty one, uh, like the cancer. And when just to go back a little bit too, because um, you mentioned that you started treatment in two thousand three, and then in two thousand six, already you're needing a a kidney transplant like how how aggressive was fabry and like how did you start i mean obviously there's well, got to be his some, whole life but no no i know he, i know he had his whole life but i'm just saying like because like it it was only causing so many problems like the skin stuff up until right 2003 and then all of a sudden three years later you're getting a, a kidney transplant like how quickly did the kidney um issues come on and what like what did you start to notice first um I didn't start to notice anything until late in the disease, you know, uh, with the uh, with the uh, the kidney failure. <clears throat> but I was, you know, I had I had some follow up every two weeks at the hospital, so I have some blood tests regularly. So my method, my 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 doctor told me that I was going over the dialysis, so I know that I was going there. But I um, I didn't want to 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 uh, to acknowledge that, so I was, you know. No, me. Uh, I'm gonna be okay. I'm not gonna go in that. And I was trying to have the, uh, you know, the uh, the magical thought that I can go through that without. Mm. And uh, I was working a night shift uh, on the MLNs, and I was for the last month. I was taking some uh, some nauseous med and some Tylenol every four hour, because my body was so intoxicated. And I was feeling so sick and I still didn't want to, you know, to acknowledge that I will need to go to dialysis. I don't have a choice. <clears throat> and um, so I did that shift. And the next morning I was in the hospital oh, wow. receiving uh, urgent dialysis. And, and what, what is the, what is the process for dialysis? I've heard, I've heard of dialysis a number of times. My under, my, my basic understanding of, of it is that it's a mechanical function of keeping your kidneys working. It, it, and, and I've also heard it's, it's horrific. Um, it is. And what, what, is what, what makes it so bad? <laughs> Try to imagine, first of all, I probably think that you like to drink water, tea, coffee, anything. Okay. When your kidney doesn't work. And I, as I myself, my kidney didn't work. So I was almost at zero point. Mm. The kidney are responsible to create the, the pee, you know? So uh, no kidney, no pee. So no pee, no drink. Mm. It's that easy. So imagine yourself not being allowed to drink. Not even a, you know, not even a sip of water. Because mm-hmm. every, every, um, Every drop that you drink, your body keep it. Mm-hmm. And the more you drink, the more you keep, and the harder the dialysis get. So, and every so it's like three times a week, you go to the hospital. Myself, you know, I had like some surgery on the on the arm, but it's been a long time. At first, I was like having a catheter in the in the chest. Mm-hmm. So they install you, they plug you. And now you see your blood go to the machine and get back. So for four hours, you sit there still and your blood, you know, is halfway through your body in a machine. 
So you just think that you just unplug that one minute later, bye bye, <laughs> end oh. of life. So and and you cannot eat like you're supposed to because everything good for life, like uh, potassium, uh, magnesium, everything like that, became dangerous in dialysis because wow. the kidney cannot do the uh, what it's supposed to do. So uh, and. Um, you're supposed to, uh, I'm not sure uh, how they call it, but you know, when the uh, when the uh, people in bike, you know, the bike is, you know, the, like uh, the Tour de France or... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Taylor loves cycling. I'm a uh, ma- massive you know, you know what they take for drugs? Uh, in French, uh, it's a uh, PO, but in English. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, the same thing, okay, so yeah. yeah. In dialysis, you have to take that. Because if you don't take that, you die. Taylor oh, would wow. like taking that though. Yeah, put me on dialysis. <laughs> <laughs> no, just the EPOs. Because your body every every day, your body kill. You know, uh, kill some cells, some blood cell. Right. So so and and the, the kidney is responsible to making more cell. Yeah, and EPO, with the bone marrow. An EPO is uh, is basically give is basically giving you a higher red blood cell count. Yeah, because you already make it. But in right. dialysis, you don't make it. So if you don't take if you don't if you don't take EPO, you're dead. It, and and so can you only stay on dialysis for so long? Like, is there is that like a hey, you're you're sort of doing this until we can give you a kidney transplant? But if you don't get a kidney transplant soon enough, I mean, you could. I I think you know, I think you, you can live long with that, but it's not you know you don't have any quality of life. So right. trust me, you don't want to do that. Right. Uh, but. And it's it's not a life, you know. It, it's it's horrific. Like you told, it's it is horrific. And yeah. if you drink a little bit too much when you're on dialysis, you cramps up. Oh, because there are some you know some uh, unbalancing like um, uh, like I said like like magnesium and everything. Yeah, and yeah, and if you ever get uh, you know um, a, a a calf, you know, cramps or something like yeah. that, you know, it, it hurts. It's nothing compares of the cramps you have in dialysis. Mm-hmm. I, I was always seeing some patients having some, and I was like, you know, why why they complain that much? You know, it's only a cramps. The first yeah. time that I got one, the first time that I saw my my uh, my toes, like goes like like that. Oh, like those that, are the worst. Like those are the that. worst ones. <laughs> I was like, ah. It, it, so so uh, so, so like cramp. I said. Oh, you I can't. Know, I know that cramp. Yeah. I mean, I might not know it on dialysis, but I know that cramp. Just, just the calf cramp alone. Like I've had so many of those um, late at night while I'm sleeping. Usually after like I play a soccer game and don't drink enough water, oh, I wake up in the middle of the night. And uh, the I've heard that the trick is to sit up on the side of your bed and put your foot flat on the ground. The trick is actually and, to drink water. And, well, yeah. I mean, the trick to avoid it. The trick to get it to go away, <laughs> go away is to sit on the side of your bed and put pressure on your foot. And I, the first time I did that, it does work, but the fear that like, you're just going to tear your whole calf apart oh, yeah. by putting pressure on yeah. it is so, it, not only is it so painful, it's scary. Like yeah, it just feels like are, your muscle cramps are brutal. is going to tear apart. I, I can imagine that being a regular thing. So like I said, you can, you can live probably a few years, but, but you don't want to live it's just, that. It's just brutal. Mm. So you, so you, so you get a tr- kidney transplant, um, your, your kidneys, you know, uh, w- going through dialysis, they're, they're not working. You get your tr- kidney transplant, you take anti-rejection meds and then what kind of cancer, I mean, like these pictures you sent, like they took a chunk out of your lip. So is that, <laughs> yeah. a, is that a tumor? Is that a tumor that, that grew, that grew on the lip here, Brian? I'll show you this here for a second. Um, can we put these on Instagram? Oh yeah, no problem. You can uh, go ahead. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. It grew. It grew in a month. In a month and a half. Whoa! Really? I that didn't send you the the the, uh, the onset. The, uh, they're upside. They're, they're, they're upside down on my email for some reason. And but that's, and trust me, it whoa. was painful. Like I've never like I ever felt something that painful. I was taking uh, painkillers every day like 24 seven for like a month. I can't believe the way that they stitched you up and made, and like, I can't 
I mean, there's like, there, I, I'm sure if I w- if we were, you know, face to face with each other in a room, I might be able to tell, but like on video, I, on video, I can't, <laughs> I can't tell at all that a gigantic chunk of your face was removed. Got, like the, um, it's huge. Uh, it, it is, I would say that the plastic surgeon is a magician, I think. It's Cause crazy. Because they, they didn't, you know, it, it, it's only stitches. You know, it didn't take some chunk of skin anywhere else to put it. So I don't know if they put some, like some some skin cell at that point. I don't know. But you see you see the pic. I, there's one pic that is right. All the pic that I sent you is on the same day. Wow. So the tumor, the tumor on the morning. After that, the, because uh, it's like on the, um, it's like on the two stage. So the first, the first one is they removed. So the dermatologist removed the uh, the tumor and everything was inside. And you know, so so they, she made sure that everything was removed. She go make sure that she analyzed every tissue to make sure that nothing remained. Then she came back and said, "Okay, I I think there's still some, I'm not some cells, but I'm not not quite sure. So uh, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go, you know, redo a little of surgery." Yeah. And after that, like I avoid for, but you know, I, you've seen, I think the, um, the bandage they, they put on my lips was like, mm. like that, like for <laughs> yeah. three, four hours. And I couldn't speak. I couldn't talk. I was like, just sitting in a chair, like uh, almost stone. And they didn't, uh, it wasn't, um, how to call that? Uh, anesthesia. Just <laughs> like a, they didn't use any anesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. They, I, they didn't only, only local. Okay, so you're not. So I was conscious yeah. all, all all the time. Oh yeah. wow, that's a big. So there was no no anesthesia, so I was conscious yeah. all, all the time. So <laughs> so they so they removed that tumor and um and and uh, you know was that the was that the did they get it all was that like how recently was that? But uh, you know I canceled the show this this uh, this summer. We're supposed to record in the summer. Yeah. We're supposed to oh. record this summer, so I canceled because of that tumor because it was so painful. Because I wasn't even it, it was hard for me oh, to speak. Right. You know, Dude, I remember yes. that because we were sitting around and uh, and talking like a I don't know it was a, it was like really close to the oh, yeah, recording because I because I, I, I didn't know it. First of all, I didn't know it was a cancer. Yeah, and the show was supposed to be uh, is it in August or uh, July? I don't July, remember. I think yeah. I think July. So, so I I I um I learned of the cancer in August late. So, like I said, I've been followed for a lot of years about that. So I was just hoping that you know that will go away. Mm-hmm. So that's why I canceled like at the last minute because I I couldn't make the show. It was was impossible for yeah, me that, to make the show. That's, a, that's insane. That's insane. <laughs> uh, Michelle, tell us about um tell us about the piano and what the piano means to you in music um and like what kind of role it's played for you in 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 all of it's the, a, in this it's, whole journey it, it's a long relationship you know my father played piano lots you know when i was a kid uh you talk you're talking about piano that's it the, yeah, uh, the yeah. instrument yeah so uh so i start learning young like two years of classic like uh, when i had seven and eight years old and i stopped and at the age of 17, I lose one year totally because of February. At that time, we didn't know that. Right, that's it, yeah. But uh, that was because of that. And I was so, so full of anger, of resentment uh, at life because of, because of the thing that I did, because of having lost one year, mm-hmm. I decided to stop playing piano. So I stopped completely for many, many, many years. And uh, when I... Um, when I've been diagnosed of uh, of February, at the beginning, uh, not a lot, but not many people know that. <laughs> but at the beginning of my career, and uh, I had the, like a a leave because I I was you know uh, injured on the shoulder. So the the uh, the the um, I don't yeah sorry, but because of the injury the the injury mm-hmm. and uh, and the uh, I couldn't do what I love so that. The ambulance. I couldn't do that. I couldn't train. That's what I was doing at that time. I was training like six days a week to keep in shape uh, to be able to work. And uh, and February disease. So I was just you know learning that my life expectancy was not that high. So I, I was I was ready to shoot myself at that point. And I call one friend. I call a friend of mine and said, uh, 
to come with me at the store, I think I would like to buy a piano. I'd say, okay, but you have no money. Mm-hmm. said, okay, well, there's only two options. Either I go to the store, I buy a piano, or I shoot myself. It's okay, we're gonna go, <laughs> we're gonna go see piano. <clears throat> so we go to the store and I find a piano that I really loved and I put it on payment and I, I mm-hmm. doesn't care. I wanted to have the piano. So I restart playing a little by little, but not that much until the beginning of the pandemic. Like as I said, like my supposedly NDE, or I'm not sure, but the thing that created myself and in my mind, it was clear, I wanted to live. There was no, no cloud judgment. There was, my vision was perfectly clear. I want to live. I'm going to do everything in my power to do that. And the piano came back in my life at that point because I was all alone by myself because of the lockdown and I had the piano. So I restart playing gradually and it became so important in my life that I play every day, maybe five, 10 minutes, half an hour, but there's not a day that I don't play. And I know that when I post a, a video on you know, my YouTube channel or, or I send some track, I know that it helps people too because i'm not a good player i think so i could be better but i know that when i play there's a lot of emotion that pass through and that's what piano makes for me and uh i think i sent some picture with the uh, with the lips <coughs> last uh, last mm-hmm. sunday that uh, well not this sunday but the one before i uh, i was able to live a dream of mine a really big dream i was able to play grand piano on a stage in the venue in Joliet, that is the biggest venue in the, in Joliet. So I would, I didn't want to play in front of people. It's not what it's not what my dream was about. But I would love to feel the piano because a grand piano with something of its own, you know. And that one uh, in the venue is uh, like worth the hundred and fifty k, something like that. It's a uh, a Steinway, and just to to hear it, just to feel it, this is what I wanted to do. This is what my dream was about. And the uh, and the people at the venue was very kind enough with one of my friends to arrange that. So with like in front of maybe something like 50 friends and family, I almost played like almost two hours of piano. Even oh, if it's not, not all full song, but I played, I I have lived the dream that I would like to do. So, uh, and there's more to come because I don't have any video right now on uh, on my, uh, my computer, but I will do some montage. I know that one friend, uh, I've done some shots on a few videos. So I put one on my YouTube channel. It's only a medley that I've done. It's like a 30-minute medley of the uh, of 80 and 90s uh, slow at that time, like uh, Brian Adams and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, cool. if you go on my YouTube channel, you can uh, you can hear it then. It's so uh it's it's really it's really nice to hear um something like that coming out of the pandemic because Endemic is so shitty in so many ways, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like, and I, and I feel like, and I, I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of like interesting stories like that where in like this, in this really brutal time that getting, you know, this thing that's, you know, never happened in our lifetime where you're being told, you know, from the highest government in the land that you got to stay home, you can't go do anything that you, that people start to find or, or find something that sort of like lights a, f- a fire um, in them and, and kind of like reignite something beautiful, I, you know, as, as, as brutal as, as brutal as like the lockdowns and pandemic has been, it's nice to hear that something like really powerful came out of it for you. If finding your love for piano again and finding your love for it in relation to, in relation to kind of like this renewed will to live. I mean, is there anything Less is there anything more powerful than that? I, I'm going to be honest. For me, the pandemic has been a um, has been a miracle. <clears throat> like you said, it, it ignited fires in me, and it gave me a purpose. The purpose to raise uh, February awareness, to 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 raise awareness about disease, about how in life you can think your life is shitty, everything is going wrong, and and sometimes you just need to refocus in the right place. I use, I'm the one who used to say, ah, oh, I had a shitty day. You know, my, oh, it wasn't a good day. And I, I don't say that anymore. 
even if I have some radiotherapy, but there is some good in my day. It's 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 never a shitty day. Okay, you can live in the street and you can that that's a different thing. But for most people that complain, I has, I have stopped complaining about the thing that I don't have and start appreciating the thing that I have. You know, I still have an apartment. I still can drive my car. Uh, I still have my piano. I still have a guitar. I can chat with you guys. Uh, and I can, I still can live. I still have some healthcare, even if they're not optimal always. I still have some people that taking care of me. And I want to do the best I can to, first of all, honor the uh, the donors of my of my kidney. Because mm. I think that is important because someone gave his life not 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 for me but by giving his life gave me life you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh so uh and and for me it's a purpose it's not a purpose and, and i'm pretty sure i have more to do like i said the thing uh, that i that i don't like it's because i would love like i said like my podcast to be you know more more broadcasting thing and i would love to bring it in english but it's too hard for me and i don't have the money to do it you know but I'm pretty sure that the podcast that I've done can do some good. Mm-hmm. So, so then, and, and basically that's one of the reasons that I'm with you, you know, because, yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to ask like, how, how are you doing now? Like obviously with all the, with the anti rejection medication and leading to the, the cancer, like how, how are you doing today? I must say that I'm on the verge of something. I'm, I think the word that described the most what I live right now is the uh, tightrope walker. Because I'm on the thin line. On one side, there's an aggressive cancer that can kill me if I don't do nothing about it. And on the other side, there's a chance of having a strong kidney reject because they have dropped some medication because they was responsible cancer right so i'm practically doomed you know so uh well okay that being said now i do what i do with that you know so uh when i when they gave me the option for the treatment for the radiotherapy at first i wasn't agree i said okay you remove the tumor everything was gone so you know can you leave me alone and uh, just you know and they (laughs) said uh, no no because uh we have too many patients that did that and the cancer just came back more aggressively and they killed them. And not in many years, like in few months. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's not the same choice I have to make, you know? So I have a, a decision to say, okay, so so I, I'm going to do some, I have to do 30 treatment of radiotherapy. So it's not nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. The first done today was not easy and was not fun at all. Uh, trust me. But I, like I said, I want to live. I want to be able. I want to be able to fulfill the, the the purpose that I give myself. Maybe, maybe uh, I'm thinking over my head, but I'm still sure that I have. Like you guys, you know, you you, you do your podcast. You know, you interview people. I'm pretty sure you do a lot of good by doing what you do. So I try to do the same with with the tools that I have and with the thing I am. So, uh, so I do, I do my best and, uh, and it might sound funny, but I'm super, uh, super happy to be here today. But like I said earlier, just before you came in, it's like, I'm nervous as hell because, you know, I can't always translate what I think and what I was, <laughs> you know, what I want to say, because, because my English, you know, sometimes I feel like an old lady, I fall down the stairs, you know, so. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, you absolutely nailed it, Michelle. And, uh, I've got to say, you've been through a hell of a lot in your, in your lifetime, um, uh, more than most will ever be able to understand. And, um, we usually, we usually, uh, ask we usually ask a couple of questions at the end of the episode. We usually ask what's what someone's disease is taken from them and what it's and what it's given them. But um, I think the last like ten minutes of 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 you speaking has kind of made it abundantly clear that you've that you have really allowed the thing that you deal with to to light a fire for you to you know be really excited and stoked to live to help other people um, and to to do a lot of good. So. Um, I, I can't if I may. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> if I may, just before I continue, 
you never know who you're going to inspire, you know, in life. You never know with what you do or what you do. Elton John write a song 40 years from now that was like, a, um, uh, I don't remember, just <laughs> anyway, I will come back. And uh, in, uh, at, in uh, 2021, there was the, uh, the National uh, uh, Organ Week in April. And I didn't know about that week before, I'm going to be honest, even if I had some transplant. And when I found about that week, I decided that I want to do a song, record a song, put it on the internet, and share it for the family of the donor. Because nobody, you know, nobody talk about them. And while for people who receive a, a, a transplant, it's a gift, but for those family, it's a drama, you know, it's a, it's the worst drama. You, yeah, you yeah. lose a kid or something like that. So Elton John, for me, he inspired me to do that song. And I'm probably sure that that song will inspire other people. So like I said, you do what you can to inspire people and you never know when you do something, what it will mm -hmm. do. Good or whatever in in the in the upcoming years. Uh, yeah. So I, yeah, you never sorry. know what you never know what uh, you never know you never know what how your how your actions will ripple out through the uh, through the world and through time. And so that is a good reason to always choose what you say and what you do very carefully. And very it's your carefully. song, by the way. Yeah. I was going to ask you if uh, I was going to ask you what song it was, and and also um, I was going to ask you. If you have a copy of that recording, is it okay if we play it's, this it's on, episode? It's on my YouTube. It's on my YouTube channel. Is it okay if we play this episode out with that? Your oh yeah, no problems. It's, it's not. It's not perfect. Like as, as I said, it doesn't, but it's, it on, doesn't my, it's on my YouTube. It's on my YouTube channel. Sweet. Well, if you're okay <laughs> with it, we will play it to end this episode now. <laughs> Thank you so much, Michelle. I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to speak with us today and tell us all about Faber disease and the myriad of shit that goes along with it. Um, thank you so much for, uh, for opening up and, and talking to us. Thanks for you guys. It was a pleasure. Hope to see you uh, soon or talk soon. Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. As always, we are coming at you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to support the podcast, there's a number of ways you can do that. First of all, you can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading them. You can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app, if that's where you're listening. Or if you want to join the conversation, hop on over to our Discord. The link is in the show notes of this episode. And uh, we have a lovely little community over there of sickos and non-sickos all hanging out, chatting. And uh, hey, you could even help produce the podcast over there if you want. You can, again, find that link in the show notes below. Sick Boy Podcast is produced and co-hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and Brian Stever. The show is managed by Jeffrey Lonis over at Talent Bureau. The sound design of this episode is brought to you by Donovan the CPAP Morgan. And of course, the theme music is from the band Take Part. That is it for this week. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.